Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. So reading from John chapter 20, uh, verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Thanks, Sam. Uh, We're going to just continue in. This this, this is the end of John. We've been working through John for most of this year as a church. And this is a really cool way to to celebrate our Easter Sunday by looking at the, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, So let me just pray briefly again that God will help us to understand what's going on in this passage. Dear Father God, we thank you that uh, you explain yourself, you don't hide yourself, that you make yourself clear when we look for you. But Lord, please help us to see you clearly, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. I was talking to my neighbour the other day and she was saying about, we're just talking about the craziness of the world with things shutting down, uh, how we're just stuck in our street now. And she said to me, you know, I believe God has hit the reset button to get our attention so we can stop and slow down and get our priorities right. We kind of feel like that, isn't it? In this season when we're all at home, where lots of things have shut down around us, the world is a bit upside down. That is, this a time where we feel like the reset button has been pushed for us to reprioritize. In a sense, if you push the button to go back to our original settings, you know, like on your phone or on your computer, there's always that button you're told, never touch that unless it's an emergency and you want to go back to the original manufacturer's settings. Push that button, it sets you all the way back to the original settings. And this is what it's a bit like for life for us. We're back to basics again. We're back to how it was. But the question is, what are our original settings for life? So what should life look like without all those complications and the busyness that that now life is in a sense simplified and stripped back? If we're back to the original settings, what should that look like for us? How should we as humans get back to that reset mode? Well, John tells us something really interesting. It is Easter Sunday. We're going to the resurrection of Jesus. This happened some 2,000 years ago on this day, the Sunday morning. And John's gospel shows us what unfolded that day and how God actually sets the re- pushes the reset button the day, the Easter Sunday, 
the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, John was one of Jesus' disciples. He was Jesus' best friend, the way it's talked about. So he's got a very honest account of what happened 2,000 years ago, where he shows us the story. We didn't read the whole chapter of John chapter 20, but basically covers the story of how Mary goes to the tomb early in the morning and finds the tomb empty. She runs back to the disciples. Then Peter and John, they run to the tomb again. They, yep, the tomb's empty. Uh, but then Jesus, go, uh, Jesus meets Mary at the tomb. Then Jesus goes back to the disciples and shows himself, shows all his scars. No, I'm really alive. I'm not dead. I was dead, but now I'm alive again. And shows Thomas's the scars for them to believe. Now, John writes this stuff for us all to believe what happened. But John also does this really cool thing where he wants to show not just what the details of what happened on that day, but how what happened on that day, that Easter Sunday, how it fits into the history of the world, God's plan. And what he does, this really cool thing, at the start of John's gospel, at the start of his letter, back in chapter 1, he explained how, <clears throat> how Jesus fit into creation. And he starts, John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word meeting Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, was with God. How the whole world was created through Jesus. But now Jesus was coming into the world and Jesus is the light of the world and the life, true life. That's the big picture of Jesus, was there at creation, but now is coming into the creation to, to be with them, to meet with them. But now John is also doing this thing. He said it at the start of his gospel. Now he's going to revisit at the end of the gospel. The day that Jesus rose, he's going to say, hey, let's see how this fits into creation again. How the, it's, in a sense, a recreation of what's going to, what, what happened before. It's like, this is the day God hit the reset button, but things are now different, different through the resurrected Jesus. So if we think back to creation, back what, what did happen at creation? You know, back to Genesis, right? The very first book of the Bible, back in chapter one, we're just told a number of things that unfolded there that John is going to refer to. When I think back to creation, I think back of the opening verses when it talked about there was nothing, there was emptiness and there was darkness and God started making things, making things alive. Uh, secondly, I remember the details about Adam and Eve and their amazing relationship with God and how awesome that must have been. The third thing, how things worked out in the garden, how Adam sinned with Eve and, and that was a break in relationship and that sin led to them getting kicked out of the garden, the break in relationship with God but then fourthly uh, that's the end of the Garden of Eden they were kicked out and because they were kicked out death was the result death was result so there's four things that jump out at me uh, when we think of creation and what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and God and now John is going to say hey because Jesus risen from the dead those four things are going to look very very different now very different there's going to be a reset, almost better than a reset, back to original settings. It's going to be an upgrade. This is going to be so much better because Jesus has beaten death. So if you think back to creation, uh, John picks up some of this language. Let me just point you back to how this language is explained by John to, to cast our mind back of this might be a new creation. In, to back to Genesis 1, if you've got the Bible there, if you don't, that's okay. I just want to read one verse to you. Genesis 1 verse 2, where uh, we're told that now the earth was formless and empty. 
Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then we're told in the first five that that was the first day. That's not our Sunday. That was the first day. Now for John, when he starts in chapter 20, if you've still got your finger in chapter 20 there, verse 1, what's going on on this, this day that Jesus rose from the dead? We're told, John chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week. We're back to the first day. While it was still dark, he says, that Mary went out. So it's first day, there's darkness. And what does Mary find when she goes to the tomb? It's empty. There's a whole lot of little clues here that going, this, this, we've heard this language before, back at the start of creation. And now this, this day, this new recreation, this first day of the week, when everything was still dark, there's emptiness in the tomb. This is meant to think there's, there's something new happening here. God is doing something amazing. But then there's that, that weird thing you might have picked up in Genesis chapter 1 where God's spirit was hovering over the deep. What is that all about? You know, how does that fit in to this new, this new day on Easter Sunday? Well, John tells us uh, down in verse 22, he says that Jesus comes to his disciples. And what does he do when he comes to his disciples? You know, he hugs all around, you know, their friend. He's not dead. He's now alive again. But he actually says to them that he, or we're told, John says, that Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting that in the Hebrew, that the Old Testament's written in and the New Testament's written in the Greek, both, the, the, it's the same word for spirit and breathe. So in the Hebrew, when it talks about in the start of creation, uh, God's spirit hovered over the waters, you could say, well, God's breathed over the, over the waters. This doesn't really make sense. It's his spirit. But in John, he goes both ways. He breathed on them and the Holy Spirit was there. And what are we meant to do with that? It's a bit of a funny little detail that John threw in, but it's actually showing us something really important. Sometimes we tend to think, what, what, is it, what does he mean? What is he describing here? Is it the time when the Spirit come on the disciples, like in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit come on, on all the disciples, the, the other followers as well? But this is quite different. It's quite different going on here. It just talks about him breathing the Spirit and it remained... Uh, and it, is settled on them so what jesus is pointing to is hey remember genesis chapter one remember the the whole first day god's spirit was there he's actually here too something new is happening and not only includes the the darkness and the emptiness but it also includes the spirit the spirit is there as well but there's something different about this time in the new creation see before the spirit was hovering above and in a sense all through the Old Testament. The Spirit is there. It works in people's lives and comes and goes. It sort of hovers around. But in the New Testament, where Jesus, after the resurrection, he's now saying the Spirit is going to settle on you. You're going to receive the Spirit. It's going to remain on you. Now God's Spirit is with us for good. It's relational that God is with us. This is significant. The Old creation and the new creation this is so much better since the resurrected jesus this is like god hitting the restart going hey remember creation this is a new creation it's reset it's upgraded it's so much better not that it's just a new creation that we're meant to think of that but there's a whole lot of things that are now different 
there's new relationships that we can relate to God better. So if you think back in Adam and Eve in the garden, you kind of think, oh, that must have been so cool for them. Adam and Eve in the garden and God would come in the, in the evening, it said, and God would hang out with them. And you kind of think, hey, that would be really good to be back in that time, to have that sort of relationship with God. But now Jesus redefines that relationship. And you can see that the way Jesus describes uh, the people, people who he's talking to. So... Uh, down in verse 17, Jesus, when he's uh, talking to Mary, he says to her to give, him, give her a message to go to the disciples. But he says, go to my brothers and tell them the message. Now, it's interesting. Jesus has never called his disciples, his brothers, before this time. The disciples are his servants or the disciples are my children, he might say. Uh, sometimes Jesus would talk to the crowd and go, brothers or brethren, um, might be translated in your Bibles. But that's a bit more of a generic, hey, people or friends, he might say. But this time's different. He's saying, go to my brothers. It's just much more friendly, much more intimate, the language that he's using now. Not just for the disciples, but for Mary as well. You might see the message. He says, I'm, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. See, Mary's also included in this that now it's not just Jesus' Father, that he's got the relationship with the Father God, but he's welcoming Mary into that as well. He's now your Father. He's now your God, like he's my Father and my God. So in both of these, the relationships is like you're now on the same level as Jesus, that you're one with God. And it's actually quite family language, that use of brothers and now uh, now he's your father as well. It's like welcome to the family. Now that is significant because as much as we think Adam and Eve had that sort of relationship, if we now look back at Genesis and we see how, how Adam and Eve are described, they're described as uh, the man Adam or the man Eve or the woman Eve, but it also often says the man did this, the woman did this. No, the man did this. It's just described not in that intimate family language. How do you like being called? You know, was that man or you woman or even that child? Yeah, you know, that kid did this. It's very impersonal compared to saying, my brother, my sister. It's family. It's more intimate. It's more relational. Adam and Eve didn't get that experience from the way Genesis described, but now the resurrected Jesus, the Easter Sunday, the reset button's been pushed. The relationships now change. It's family. You're my brothers. You're my sisters. It's so much better than the first creation. So that's redefined as well. What about death? Because death come as a result of Adam and Eve and what they did in the garden. Well, in Genesis, um, Adam and Eve, when things went bad, uh, they rejected God by eating the fruit they did that because they, they thought by eating the fruit, they would become like God as well. And God's like, don't you trust me? I'm telling you not to eat the fruit. And they're going, no, no, we want to be like God as well. They ate the fruit, didn't trust God. So what happened is that that's called sin, is when you don't trust God and you offend him that way. So because of their sin, they were pushed out of the garden. And because they were pushed out of the garden, death entered the world. They would not live forever before. Before death, there was no death in the garden. 
but after being kicked out of the garden, uh, death was now a reality. And it's still the same now, not just leaving the garden for them, but even now, death is going to end each of our lives. We can't avoid it. We can't get around it. It's one thing that's guaranteed in life. You will die. Death has been with us for generation to generation, and death is, is still here, still takes lives. Death still wins. But now on Easter Sunday, things are different. In this recreation, God does the reset. But what's Jesus doing in that day that Jesus rose from the dead? He's going around showing the scars. He's going, look at my hands. And this is what boys do when they get together, right? Jesus comes together with the disciples. Check out the scars in my my hands. Check out what held me on the cross, the scars in my ankles. Check out the spear that went into my side. Check out the scars. I was dead on the cross. I was buried, but now I'm alive. I'm alive. Thomas, one of the disciples, said, look, I don't care if I see Jesus. I'm not going to believe that it was him that died and rose again. I don't care if I see the scars. I actually need to touch those scars before I'll believe. So Jesus actually grabbed Thomas's hand and put it into his side. Feel this. This is where the spear went into my side. It is me. I'm truly alive. I've defeated death. This is huge. This is huge. What Jesus is showing, death is not the end of us anymore. Death does not win. There is something beyond death. So now we're living in this time, we're 2,000 years later, death is still a reality for us physically. Physically, our bodies will die. We are still going to face that. But what Jesus is saying, that's not the end. Jesus has shown because he's overcome death through his resurrection, there is something after this world. There's so much more than this world. And that is when we trust in him that we can go on to eternal life. And when it talks about going to eternal life and heaven with him, it's not just a spiritual thing like angels floating around with, on clouds. It's actually, we're going to be resurrected with our real body, keeping our, our original scars, good stories to have in heaven, passing on to everybody. But Jesus' resurrection from the grave says this will happen. I've gone before you. I've beaten death. Now I'm hitting the reset button. We're eternal life. You'll be resurrected as well. This is much different to what Adam and Eve experienced. This is true hope with death being defeated. So the last thing that we're sort of challenged with out of the creation story and the garden story is that sin. When Adam and Eve left the garden, they were confronted by death, but they were confronted by their own sin from their rebellion of God. And no matter what they did, they could never turn around and get back into the garden. They couldn't prove to God that they were worthy or good enough to get back into the garden that was there for them before. And we often get trapped too. All throughout history, we're trying to prove ourselves worthy to God, that we're deserving of that relationship of being in the garden, in a sense, that we try to be good enough for God, religious enough for God, There's nothing we can do to earn our way back into God's favour because of Adam's sin, because of our sin that's in us. It's a broken relationship that that we can't earn our way back. But just as Adam kind of blew it for all of us, Jesus comes along and repairs that. He fixes it. In fact, other parts of the Bible explain what's going on here. Like in Romans 5, 17, if you want to look it up later, uh, where the Apostle Paul describes, by the trespasses 
of one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man. And so the gift of righteousness reigns in the life of the one man, Jesus Christ. What he's saying, in the first creation, Adam stuffed things up for all of us. But in this new creation, with Jesus rising from the dead, Jesus fixes it up. He repairs it. He takes the penalty for our sin. And now forgiveness is now achievable. This is why Jesus can say down in verse 23. So in John 20, in verse 23, he says to the disciples that you can forgive anyone's sins and their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. What he's saying there is not that you go around passing around tickets of forgiveness, like the golden pass to heaven. Man, if I can have that ticket from a disciple, I'm done. I've got what I need. He's not saying that, but he's saying forgiveness is now a reality. Not just between two sinners, like me and somebody else I have a fallout with, but me and God. That's a reality now. True forgiveness, true restoration of the relationship. That's a reality. The slate is wiped clean. That means it doesn't matter where you've come from, doesn't matter what you've done, but you can have a true living relationship if we come to him and ask for forgiveness. And that's genuine forgiveness. He's not going to hold it against you. Instead, he's going to welcome you like, like a lost child coming into the family. All because Jesus has taken that penalty. Jesus has taken the penalty for all the wrong I've done. But he's given us that clean slate. That we're righteous, declared innocent. That we are deserving to be one of his child. Not because of us, but because of, of what Jesus has done. So now do you see what such a big deal it is that Jesus rose from the dead on that Easter Sunday? John's saying us, all that, new crea that old creation stuff, it's been shaken up. It's been turned on its head. God has hit the reset button and now things are so much better. So much better because of what Jesus has done. God's spirit is now among you. That you now have a true and living relationship with God. You're now part of the family. And now you don't have to fear death. Death has been defeated. You will live for eternity. And don't worry about your sin. All the time you've mucked up. He says, that's forgiven. That's wiped away. Now, I love Easter. I love the season. I love friends. I love the holidays. I love the chocolate. I love all those things about Easter. But wow, we celebrate such an amazing day. A day when the world changed. And it's worth celebrating. But the problem is, God lays this out in front of us. And for many of us, instead of trusting Jesus with this new life in this new creation, we're kind of still like we're living in the old creation. Like Jesus' resurrection never happened. Like everything's still the same. That we still treat God like he's so far away. That he's so far away, I can't know him. He's unknowable, unrelatable. Uh, the idea of a true and living relationship is just bizarre that is so far away from us. He's hard to relate to if we're living in the old world. We also think that we still fear death, that once this life is over, that's it. You know, we're formed by all these random molecules. We come, we breathe, we live for a fixed time and then we die and then we just disappear to nothingness. That the universe just put us together and dropped us like a bomb and no one cares about us. Our life is meaningless and worthless. We can treat God like after death, that's it. We're done. Also, we think we're in the old world, 
because we don't appreciate what it means to be forgiven that we're actually still trying to prove ourselves that we are worthy of some some credit whether it's from the universe or some god that we think we're good enough we think we're righteous enough we try different religion or or just different morals to prove ourselves that they're worthy of something but we're never really sure we can't live in confidence with the certainty that we have truly been forgiven but that's not what god has created you for he's created you for so much more that through jesus he shows us that you are loved that god would send his own son into humanity in the whole history of the world he sends his son into walk with our, in our shoes to walk in our world to know what it's like to live with our dramas with our ups and downs you are loved you are known but also that God longs for a living relationship with you, that he would reach out and not only just come to you, but say, I want to call you my children, my sons, my daughters. Welcome to the family. He even gives us his spirit in that. He invests in us for that true and living relationship. And by beating death, there's also more to what you see in this world. We think, Live life to its fullest now because you're not going to see it again. He goes, no, no. This is such a short time you're here. Eternity is a long time. Live for eternity. There's so much more going on that you'll enjoy. So much better than this world. And through Jesus, we're forgiven. No matter what you've done, where you've come from, he accepts you. He accepts you. This is, this is not just a reset. It's an upgrade for us. This life is so much better than what we're experiencing without him. God cares for you. And when God passed, pressed the reset button, when Jesus rose from the grave, he gave us an upgraded version of creation. So, but are we living in that? Are you living in that? Or are you still living in the old world, far and distant from God? Let me invite you into Jesus and what he's done and to accept what he's done and say, that's the life I want to live. That's the life I want to enjoy. True life, eternal life. Now, we might be in the middle of a coronavirus lockdown, and this is a good opportunity for us to push the reset button on our lives. Say, maybe this is a season where I need to investigate who Jesus is. I need to know, is he worth trusting? I need to know, is this life worth living and experiencing? I need to know, is it true hope or is it false hope? I invite you into that journey. I invite you into using your time now in this Easter season, this coronavirus lockdown season, that we will draw nearer to Jesus, to check out his claims. Historically, did he really rise from the dead? Check it out. Draw near to him. And it's time, uh, is it time to to really investigate that and for God to open our eyes and our hearts so we can really find this life? Now, at Southside, we're a church that truly experiences this new life. We're not just a church about religion or doing things, about going to Sundays. It's not a lifestyle. It's a real living relationship with Jesus. So I want to invite you into that. Even though we don't meet here as a church, if you want to find out more or talk more through this, even if you've got questions, shoot us a message. Go to the website. There's an email section. Shoot us a message because we want to be on that journey with you. Or even if you've got friends and you're far from here and you want to go to a local church, I encourage you, check out your local church. Hook up with somebody there. Shoot them your questions. Go on that journey with them because it's a life worth discovering. 
It's a new creation and, and it's true life, as Jesus said. Let me encourage you to do that, to use your time wisely, draw near to Jesus. And it's my prayer that he will reveal himself to you so you can find that full life. Actually, I'm going to pray now that Jesus will do that. So no matter where you are, I invite you to pray with me that Jesus will show us who he is in this season. Dear Father God, we just thank you for this amazing story, the way you reveal your love to us, that Jesus would die on the cross in our place, but he would not stay dead. He would rise from the dead to not only show that he is truly God, but he's truly got something new, a new creation, a better creation, a new and better life for us. Lord, help us not to just think of Easter as a historical thing or a time of chocolate and indulgence, but a time to have a fresh start, a restart, time to find new life. Lord, please help us in that journey. Lord, if we've got questions, Lord, help us to find the answers. Lord, if our hearts are difficult to, to hand over, Lord, help us to find, to learn how we can trust in you. And Lord, let us not be our, our words and empty words but Lord, let us see that this is a true and living experience to know you. Lord, help us on that journey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.